0: with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there!
1: Gary Parish, Monday, May 2nd, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports. I own college basketball podcast where we... Sometimes discuss Camel Fighting, Dodo Birds, and Leaky Black, Matt Norlander, is here with me. If you're watching live on YouTube, you know what to do. Dead Leg, the deadline for players to enter the transfer portal and be eligible next season, it has passed. And some interesting names got in the portal in the past 48 hours. Kentucky's Keon Brooks, Florida's Keontae Johnson, Baylor's Matthew Meyer. We're going to get to those things in a bit, but I did want to start with a column you wrote heading into the weekend about the one-time transfer waiver and name, image, and likeness rights and the seismic change that those two things have brought to college athletics. It came to a head with the Isaiah Wong situation at Miami. You talked to a lot of people in the industry about this, including a lot of coaches. Um, Just your broad takeaway from what you learned from those conversations. Uh,
0: Well, I – the the impetus for the column had been building for, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks, uh, just in talking to coaches, hearing from coaches, uh, you know, these people, pr- you know, calling me unprompted to kind of just, you know, do what coaches do, <laughs> which is to complain. Uh, they do a lot of things, but coaches, man, do these guys just love to complain in the off season. And I'm willing to be a sounding board for that because uh, frankly, it helps inform uh, things around going around about the sport and, and understanding more of, uh, of of their grievances and sometimes non-grievances, but uh, it was becoming ever clear that this issue of name, image, and likeness, players going into the portal, having immediate eligibility, having people represent these players, and having a situation where it wasn't companies finding players to pay them for their name, image, and likeness. It was players looking to transfer so that they could find someone to pay them a lot of money for their name, image and likeness had become an issue that was consuming the coaching profession and still is consuming the coaching profession. In fact, after I wrote the column, I talked to Eric Musselman at Arkansas on Sunday and he said, I could use this on the record. He said, it's so outrageous that I spent more time on the phone with transfers Than I did preparing for Gonzaga. And they wound up winning that game against Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. Um, And I said, that can't be true. He's like, I'm telling you, I spent just as much time, if not more, talking to transfers, people finding me than I did when I was trying to prepare my team to play Gonzaga, which is frankly outrageous. Uh, But as a head coach, you feel obligated because you just don't know. And at that, you know, Arkansas is going in the second weekend they obviously wound up winning that game and they they uh, they don't make it to the final four but they make another good deep run in the tournament. So but you know that there's a chance you might lose players and even as we speak, you know, JD Note left, Jalen Williams, he's 50-50 will he return, will he not return. So anyway, all this stuff was building up to this. And then the Isaiah Wong thing happens on Thursday night. We we podcasted. So this is the first time we've talked to each other since the the Wong story even broke. We last podcasted on Thursday morning and what happened w- was a first. You had an agent for a player, say, if we don't get more money, we're leaving, or we're at least going in the transfer portal in addition to Isaiah Wong going through the pre-draft process. I thought it was actually a a fairly significant moment (laughs) in the history of college athletics because this had never happened. This is the kind of thing that we're used to seeing every July with a star NFL player or six, or we hear leaked out through – you know, prominent media personalities through NBA players and their agents. Right. This has just not been something that happened at the college level. And so it was kind of the reason I read the column was Wong really prompted me to do it. I wanted to see if he was going to go through on going into the portal. He stared down a billionaire. And to be honest, both men kind of got what they wanted. Wong is not going to get more money from John Ruiz, this Miami booster, this billionaire uh, who already signed Wong to a deal. And then Nigel Pack came in and got more money after not doing a thing to help Miami make its first lead eight in school history. Wong's like, I want more. And then Ruiz, apparently, you know, they patch things up. Wong's not going in the portal. He'll either return to Miami or he'll pursue a pro career. I would think returning to Miami is the much more likely scenario at this point. And um, he just, you know, his threat to go into portal, it, it wilted away within 24 hours. So uh, there's a ton in the column. I don't want to ramble too much here, but it just addresses this. Thing that's not surprising, but still, you know, we really need to talk about, and that's the fundamental difference between guys that have earned their money through name, image, and likeness. Companies are finding them. They want to pe- Kansas players reaping rewards off of taking a title tour GP right around that state. Oscar Shiboy standing to become a millionaire playing college basketball. The likes of Hunter Dickinson. These kind of players, where they're established, they're returning to their schools, they're getting paid because they actually have value. You know, there's a difference between that. I had a coach and, and, and what else is happening? I mean, I had a coach call me on Sunday night, you know, just, and I won't say which coach it is. He was in the NCAA tournament and he said, I'm just, he's not looking. They're not looking for pity. They're not looking for anyone to feel bad for these coaches. Like I get paid a ton. I'm just telling you, we made the tournament and the last three and a half, four weeks of my life have been miserable because like, we haven't even like stopped to reflect on what an awesome season it was because We're so caught up in trying to get these transfers. We're losing out on them. There are guys in the portal that are trying to transfer my program that averaged, you know, 12 minutes a game asking how they can make $50,000 in name, image, and likeness. And what I told the coach and he agreed, I was like, listen, I think every player deserves to get paid. No doubt about it. But if you average like 11 minutes a game, like, and you're transferring to a school that's outside the top 30, the top 35, like your name, image, and likeness carries almost no value. That's the reality of this situation. Now, if you want to have the conversation about these players should ultimately all get paid by the schools through union, I think that's a conversation we're getting closer toward. And I think that would be a good thing. And maybe that's the thing that will help eliminate the situation we have right here, GP. But it's uh, it, it's just amazing. I've never seen one issue dominate the coaching landscape, the way this is right now. I mean, these guys are just, they're, they're exhausted. They're freaked out. Again, no violins on this side, none, but it's just the reality of it. And you hear it from the football side as well. Jordan Addison, the USC, I say the USC wide receiver. He'll probably be that soon. He's not even technically in the portal yet. The pit wide receiver, who was like the best wide out in college last year. There's our, you know, there's just all this allegations of tampering, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a humongous, humongous deal. And it was worth writing about. And so I did just that.
1: I thought the Isaiah Wong situation was awesome and and really noteworthy. Um, it, just to contrast it with where we were, say even ten years ago, like can you imagine ten years ago, a college basketball player's agent announcing on uh, you know through a media outlet um, that if his client doesn't get more name, image, and likeness rights money he will enter the transfer portal by the deadline. I mean, the whole thing is wild to think about. And the reaction on Twitter was um, hilarious and unsurprising. Uh, people were, re- Some people were really offended by this. And as I pointed out on Twitter, coaches have been telling schools for decades that if they don't get more of this or more of that, they are going to leave which is the equivalent of what Isaiah Wong did now John Ruiz called his bluff and and then like said but I'll help you get some yeah. more over here and so yeah everybody Nigel uh, I mean Isaiah Wong's going to get a, you know more money than he was going to get you know this time last week I'm assuming but it's not going to come from John Ruiz who gets to say um I told you I don't renegotiate and I don't. So like don't try to – we we reach a deal. That is the deal. We're not going back to it. So everybody gets to walk away from it saying, um, you know, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. So good, good for the Miami community. But I'm just not going to be offended when players do – in this space, when players do exactly what coaches do all the time, at least coaches with options – I remember a coach at some point over the past 10 years um, had a good job, but was offered what is, you know, if you put both jobs on the table for an unemployed man, he would take this other job. So it was a a better job, but like the guy liked his job and he was waiting for an even bigger job. And I was talking to him while this was like still going on. And I was like, are you going to like, would you take this? Can they throw enough money at you to get you to do it? He said, no, I'm not going to take it. But what I am gonna do is drag this thing out long enough so that I can get what I want from my current school. Like I want a bigger recruiting budget. I want more money for my assistants. I want more private planes. So I'm going to tell my school, if you don't give me these things, I'm, I'm, I'll am I'm go take this job. But if you give me these things, I'll stay here. And th- he got what he wanted and he stayed there. How is that any different than what Isaiah Wong did last week? I mean, it's not. And so, um, I, I this is the space we're now working in, and I have no issue with players taking advantage of that space and leveraging situations to try to get more compensation. You point out that we we've, we've got to figure out, um, and, you know, what is the difference between somebody truly capitalizing on their name, image, and likeness, like. Oscar Shibway is about to do at Kentucky after becoming a Kentucky star. Um, and and somebody just pay for play. Hey, if you come here, we'll give you $800,000. And we'll call it name, image, and likeness. The issue, of course, is like there is – I know what you mean, but there's no way mm-hmm. to, to, to draw a line in between those things. There's no – in this space where we're currently operating, there is no – unless you're just going to put together another committee – and have them rule on each situation and then guess what happens you're going to court again mm-hmm. so this is just the way we're going to live for a little while um I, I talk to coaches the same way you do and they they're frustrated they're exhausted um they're not asking anybody to feel sorry for them they're as not you, they're just right
0: they're just saying like I appreciate I, the insight because they're like they're like just listen man <laughs> like it's just it's the job description now ain't even what it was two years ago. And they're not even looking for sympathy. But you can you can still explain, like, how tough the situation is, and we can put it into the context. That's
1: right, right. Two things can be true. These guys get paid an incredible amount of money to do a job. But it has always been a hard job, and now it's harder than ever. It's always been a demanding job, and now it's more demanding than ever. And I thought Brad Underwood's clip from last week that we talked about was perfect. He said, it's not fun. This is not fun. Um, you know, I, I've heard from other coaches who say the job's not fun anymore. The paycheck's great. I love the practices, but I don't like the the rest of the stuff, man. This is not what I thought I was. This is not what I thought my job was. So when I, when I talk to coaches and even other people in the industry, they say two things largely. The NCAA had decades to work on this and get out in front of it and try to come up with a system that was, more fair for the student athletes but they kept giving nothing and then student athlete empowerment became a thing and now here we are in this very complicated space so this is the ncaa's fault and the ncaa is getting what it deserves i guess but what they also say and and i on some level agree with this that this model we have right now is not sustainable um that that Again, both things can be true. Student-athletes deserve to capitalize in any way um, that that any other normal student would be allowed to capitalize. And if that means getting six figures or even seven figures name, image, and likeness rights, then congratulations. But the way the system is operating now with agents literally calling other schools – and saying I I represent a player at school A, he is interested in coming to your school, but it would take this 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 and this. Can you get that done? Like I don't know if that is sustainable. And so Dan Walken, uh, my friend at, at USA Today, wrote a column about this as well. And one of the points he's made is a point I, I've made for a while, and um, something he and I have talked about, uh, you know, extensively over the years. And that's that. Um, the first step in quote fixing this if you think it's an actual problem and not everybody does but if you do is you've got to acknowledge that this is professional sports it starts there that the, the the clinging to amateurism it, it, it as long as you're doing that and allowing the boosters to just pay everybody however they want it is going to be uh, complicated and frustrating and exhausting for everybody involved and there'll be some nightmare stories that emerge so you've got to let go of that and acknowledge that this is professional sports. And as Dan wrote, make the student athletes employees, cut them in on the massive amount of revenue being raked in by football and basketball, collectively bargain the terms of engagement, and then sign athletes to enforceable contracts. That is the end game here. That's where we have to get to. Now, who's smart enough to lead us there? I don't know. The NCAA is, you know, operating with a operating with a lame duck president right now. How we get there, I'm not sure, but that is ultimately where we have to get. And until we get there, this is the world we're living in right now.
0: As the story detailed, um, you know, I I listed, I don't know, eight players, eight transfers. I could have given you 10 more um, that their recruitments this is also kind of the driving force behind the column just to kind of explain how it's working with so many of these transfers, not every single one, but plenty of like what are considered like, you know, top 25 to 30 guys. What's happening is they've gone into the portal and be it an agent, a parent, some sort of represent, representative uh, is going to other schools or when they're contacted saying, yes, we want, I want to be clear in how I'm framing this. the The fit for the player at the school is a significant part of the discussion the academics is still as i talked with a few coaches because i wanted to be like some coaches are completely like man like the the school part of this just isn't even a fact a couple coaches are like that but a lot aren't aren't like that a lot are like no like you know when we talk to a player and or the parents like they're still wanting to know like the actual school part of this is still part of it but um the clincher if you will or as one coach put it to me the tiebreaker is of course the money and you have situations where agents for these players are going to schools. And it's again, this isn't even illegal. It's not even tawdry. Like it's not illegal, but it's still the way that the system has worked for decades and decades still has people's instincts to flinch at it. Where, where a representative will say, listen, I mean, there's a player right now that is considered a top 15, top 10 to 15 transfer and that player's agent has gone to schools and said, we want to talk about fit, but also when it gets down to it, my player is worth more than Nigel Pack. He's a better player than Nigel Pack was Nigel Pack. Nigel Pack screwed, <laughs> screwed it up for a lot of guys in this because uh, no one, and Now listen, all good luck to Nigel Pack. I hope he's awesome at Miami. And in, in fact, it would be amazing if he was great, even better than he was at Kansas State. But I haven't talked to one person who believes Nigel Pack is worth $400,000 in terms of his name, image, and likeness. I don't happen to believe he's worth $400,000. The only one that might is John Reese. He's a billionaire. He can do whatever the hell he wants with his own money. But it ties back to this one particular player in that this, uh, some schools that wanted to get involved said, oh, we're not We're not going to align our – again, the schools are not paying the players. It's the third party. It's the, it's the boosters or it's the companies. But the way this works – is you have a program or a NIL collective connected to these people, and you need to make sure it's communicated that, you know, you're helping foster that relationship, which, by the way, is against the rules. That is still not legal at the NCAA level. Coaches actually act. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Of course it happens. With some, it doesn't, apparently. Some coaches swear to me they are not doing it. Um... And I even checked in on the Miami thing and Larenaga apparently like he doesn't even talk to this billionaire and has not been satisfied with with how this has all gone down. That being said, he did get the talent there. He also got a great transfer, uh, Norchad Omier. So anyway,
1: if I was the coach at Miami, John Ruiz would be my best friend.
0: That's not how that's going down with Larenaga. I know. know,
1: But if I were the coach at Miami, I would hand him a recruiting list and say, I want this guy, this guy, this guy and this guy. Go see if you can make it happen.
0: I'll get to that point in just one, one second here. Um, but that being said, what you have in the portal, again, what I wrote in the column, Isaiah Wong purely did publicly what is happening behind the scenes and is to a, a heavy extent. It's done in college football. It's done in men's basketball. We are shopping our player. Let us know how much you can make an NIL money. And this has, like these trickle down effects where these guys who are like the seventh, eighth guy on the depth chart at, at mid majors, like they're going into the portal and they're asking like, what is my NIL opportunity? And like a couple coaches have said, like, you don't want to sound like a jerk, but you have none. You average like four points on a team that was in a mid major league. that didn't go to the tournament. Like, young man, I'd love to see if we might be able to mix you into our – you have zero value in your name, image, and likeness. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. That's also the market at play. Not everyone's going to get paid, but because you have stories like Isaiah Wong that goes mainstream, Nigel Pack goes mainstream, it's going to have this feeling where these other guys – where does that line stop from when you're good enough to actually receive money for your name, image, and likeness and where you're just – you're a jag. You're another guy. You You don't carry any value right now because it hasn't been earned there. It's been a uh, it's been a wild, wild time. One quick text I got from um, from a coach, uh, a power conference coach. He said after the story went up, he said, we should all just stop pretending that this isn't this isn't open market recruiting. This stuff has nothing to do with the value of these kids name, image and likenesses. This is just paid recruiting. And if everyone was good with that, let's just call it that. I mean, in many ways, that is what's happening at least- that,
1: that, of, of course of course, that's what's happening i mean no. you 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 say, is Nigel Peck's name image and likeness really worth four hundred thousand uh, dollars Of course it's not he has forty eight hundred followers on Twitter if he's worth four hundred thousand, I'm worth four hundred million all right <laughs> uh, of course, his name image and likeness rights are not worth that, but a billionaire decided I want that guy to play point guard for my favorite school and so this is what it's i'm going to offer him to do it and now we got the deal done it's it's and so you you hear like in in this case kansas state fans would be upset like you know um how are we supposed to compete with that i, I find you a billionaire booster who's willing to throw around money like that you know would be the obvious answer but again i keep going back to the the coaching ranks um you brought up eric Musselman earlier a, a, a great example here he was an unbelievable coach at nevada but when Arkansas decided they wanted him, everybody understood Nevada can't keep him, and everybody's fine with that. And so, when uh, a, a a player at the same level uh, gets bigger opportunities, I, I'm not going to have a problem with them taking advantage of of those opportunities. And you know, you to circle back to is Nigel Peck worth it? If somebody decides he is, then he is. Um, it's not for name, image, and likeness. That's how they're getting it done. It is just yeah. for come play at my school. Think of this. Remember when Greg Marshall got that massive contract at Wichita State? And it was like, like, were they still in the Missouri Valley Conference at the time? But mm-hmm. it was like, it was like, is a Missouri Valley coach really worth $3 million a year? If some billionaire booster decides that's what I want to pay him to, to be here, then absolutely. How is that any different than what just happened with Nigel Beck? It's not. A Booster decided this. I don't care what Nigel Pack's actual worth is to somebody else. I want to make sure he plays basketball here. This is how much money it's going to cost to make it happen.
0: Deal done. That's- Agreed. Um, we don't have, listen, we could, we're not going to ever do this. We could do five hours on it because there's so many angles on this, but to your point, you said before, this is going to happen. This is happening. And I actually wonder if it might uh, eventually get snuffed out and it is no longer legal in a year's time, two years time, four years time and how you stop it. I don't know, but you just mentioned if I was a head coach and I I had a relationship, I want, want a relationship with a billionaire. All right, here's my list. Go find these guys that is happening with some of these schools, these power conference schools where there are these NIL collectives. Okay. Which is basically just pulling a bunch of money and saying, here's how much money we can disperse amongst uh, the program, the team, the athletic department, whatever. Right. And I mean, there's one school, at least one school uh, that I was told about in the past 48 hours where they are going to hire, at least they plan to hire a full-time person at this school whose job it will be explicitly to scout, recruit and, bring guys in from the transfer it will be their job like here's our collective i'm the representation uh third party for the university of so and so and so and so and we want you to come here and here's what we can do like it will be someone who basically is paid in essence uh to pilfer talent off the transfer portal market so that's i don't that that's a thing that obviously coaches have a huge issue with oh by the way coaches run players off this goes on both sides of the coin whether that can actually be sustainable or not, I don't know how you track and stop it. I also don't know, but that's, that's another thing I didn't even get into the column parish where coaches got a huge issue with this idea of these like third party people with these NIL collectives, just being the ones that are just they head hunting basically. And that, that is looked at as the model going forward. I would imagine that'll be one of the bigger topics that's addressed behind the scenes in the next few months at the NCAA level.
1: Yeah. If I were a college coach, the other thing I would do to, to your point, and then we'll move on. Um, I'd hire a general manager, somebody who is a de facto general manager yes. who is who is dealing with all my boosters and figuring out what money is available and who is um, you know, to whatever extent they're allowed to be, and maybe this is where rule changes come in. But you you have somebody who can deal with a lot of this stuff coaches don't want to deal with. Again, this is professional sports. We can stop lying to each other and it should be treated as such. And if every professional sports franchise has a general manager or a president of baseball operations or whatever, well, then we're going to get to a point where college football programs and college basketball programs need them just the same. Let's move on. A couple of high-profile SEC players hit the transfer portal this weekend. We will get into that next, but first, word from our sponsor. couple of high-profile SEC players hit the transfer portal this weekend. Kentucky's Keon Brooks and Florida's Keontae Johnson. Um, let's be real quick on these, and I'm, I'm going to hold both of us to it. Uh, let's start with Keon Brooks. Started 33 games at Kentucky, double-digit score. So this isn't somebody who was buried on the bench. He was a real player, a starter, for a team in everybody's preseason top five. You surprised he's leaving John Calipari's program?
0: Uh, a little bit, but I want to say... Hard to keep track of all this. I want to say, like around the final four, I heard that this was a distinct possibility that he would wind up going into the portal there. So I'm not surprised on that level. He would rank among uh, some of the best there. I do for our listeners that so we're clear on one thing because everyone was talked about this May one deadline, May one deadline. It's come and gone. Um, you might have seen a few reporters express this, but just as a reminder, if you're listening, you aren't aware. Players had until 11:59 on Sunday night to go to their compliance office and say, I want to go in the portal and formally request. And then the compliance officers have 48 hours to actually officially log it. So throughout Monday and throughout Tuesday, you will see more and more names populate, get reported. These guys are now in the transfer portal. They did not miss the deadline. There's just a, there's a delay. There's a buffer there. So just be aware on all of that. Uh, I got told one relatively intriguing name. It was off record. I can't share it, but this is a top I'll be surprised if that player goes in, but it's like a top 25 player in the country that might go in the portal here. So we'll kind of wait and see if that guy uh, jumps in there or not a uh, little blind item for you. Keon Brooks, a really, really good player. I would, I would rank him among the top 10 to 12 overall transfers that would now be available on such a list there, but no, to your question, GP, not utterly surprised. Kentucky still got some, some roster management to, uh, to deal with in addition to, Oh, by the way, it just lost, um, Jai Lucas, one of its assistants, who is now going to Duke.
1: Um, my understanding is that this isn't some like uh, leverage play to try to get more money to come back to Kentucky. Uh, that he's actually leaving Kentucky, um, but you know, it, it it appears he just wanted a bigger role, and you know he's a he's a role player on a very good team, a good role player on a very good team, and he wants to be a star. I just don't know that he's a star or at least capable of being a star for a very good team. But, you know, he he can give it his best shot. Sub-27% three-point shooter in all three years of college. Um, So, you know, he apparently wasn't happy just playing a role at Kentucky. He wants to be more of a centerpiece at another program, and I'm sure he'll have opportunities to do that. But um, watching starters and double-digit scores from programs like Kentucky – uh, decide to go into the transfer portal just I guess sort of speaks to where we are uh, as a sport right now Keontae Johnson is an interesting situation as well he of course was the SEC preseason player of the year heading into the 2020-21 season um, collapsed in a game on national television in December 2020 and has never played in a game again he has been diagnosed with a heart condition and. Florida's medical officials would not clear him to play. So I assume now he's just looking for a school where he'll be cleared to play, right?
0: Yeah, but he's also been accused of sexual assault uh, in recent months there. So there is a whole lot going on here. Um, There's just no read on what Keontae Johnson's future holds. Uh, He also, you know, tried to explore what his chances might be in terms of taking a professional avenue. I was told, um, you know, prior to his life changing forever with that collapse and, you know, in late 2020 um, was projected as like an NBA level talent. But between the questions there and the unanswered questions with being accused of sexual assault, a very strange story. But he is, I mean, in terms of like uh, known players that have gone into the portal like him Amani Bates, here's a random nugget for you. I know Michigan fans are, like, thinking Amani Bates might – I was told Michigan is not recruiting Amani Bates. I was told that could change by Monday, but I was told over the weekend that's not even the case there. So he's another big name. Keontae Johnson, Amani Bates, Keon Brooks you mentioned, some of the biggest names that Matthew
1: Matthew Meyer.
0: Matthew Meyer went in, right? That happened in the past 24 hours. Yeah,
1: but Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN is reporting that Meyer is – He wants to stay in the NBA draft. His plan at this moment is not to play college. A lot of these guys are entering the draft and entering the transfer portal as well, just as a backup plan. Like if I decide at the last minute to pull out of the draft, my options will be completely open to transferring. So Matthew Myers in the transfer portal, but doesn't appear to be, um, you know, uh, it doesn't appear to be planning to play college basketball next season.
0: I would list those four along with these guys as the best transfers available. Iowa state's Tyrese Hunter. Who's a lot of these decisions are coming very soon. Some of them this week, uh, AJ green from Northern Iowa. Isaiah Mosley just went in, uh, from Missouri state. Really, really good score. Baylor Shireman from South Dakota state, Kevin McCuller, who said he's going to either go pro or he will commit to Kansas or Gonzaga, uh, formerly at Texas tech. If he transferred in league, that would certainly be intriguing. Um, Kenneth Lofton Jr. is another one who's pursuing a pro career. I think if he were to return to college, that would really benefit him. I mentioned Bates, Malachi Smith from Chattanooga, KJ Williams from Murray State, Antoine Davis, who could be who could finish his career among like the top three scorers in the history of the sport by nature of getting the bonus year from Detroit. He's out there. Uh, He's another player who wasn't listening to my article, but. Uh, multiple coaches have said there is an NIL there is an NIL figure attached to his recruitment. Uh, Kyle Lofton from St. Bonaventure is another good one, Manny Bates. Those are I think the best transfers available for the most part. Again, a lot of these players will commit this week, some will commit next week because again, you want to be able to get get to a team where you think, you know, you're going to have a spot, you'll be able to be productive in addition to everything that comes along with that. Keon Brooks is a, he's an intriguing one. I actually think he's one of those players that would have a lot of different options and spots available to him. Keontae Johnson, I just don't know. I mean, there's there's so much that still needs to be uh, figured out and discovered on that end, from a health standpoint, let alone everything else attached to him off the court.
1: Yeah, like if you remember, there was a similar story, not the sexual assault stuff, but a similar story in recent years. Jared Butler was at Alabama, and could not get cleared to play because of a heart condition. Uh, went to Baylor, they cleared him to play, became an All-American, most outstanding player in the Final Four, and then you know was was drafted into the NBA. So. Um, if you're Keontae Johnson on a basic level, you're just trying to find a school that will medically clear you to play, but you're right. The sexual assault allegation does uh muck it up a little bit. Like you really want to take somebody with a serious medical condition and a sexual assault charge, uh, not charge allegation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure I'll let other, I'll let the universities figure that out, but that'll obviously, it obviously complicates the Keontae Johnson. Uh, situation. Before we get out of here, uh, real quick on the Iverson Classic. I was on the sideline over the weekend um, with some of the best high school basketball prospects in the country, competed against each other. Unfortunately, Amari Bailey, the UCLA commit, he pulled out of the Iverson Classic. So that was a little deflating. Really? That was a little deflating, uh, <laughs> a little disappointing.
0: Interesting choice of words there, my man.
1: It was a little disappointing, but, um, beyond that awesome day, um, got to work with J.R. Smith for the first time, who was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, just fun to be around, but also just like, he was actually very good on the broadcast. He had never done that before. Um, you know, been a color analyst. And so he was fun. Uh, Brent Stover, obviously terrific. Alan Iverson was a part of the broadcast for about 10 minutes or so. He was terrific. John ja Morant was there. Um, and I, I thought this was interesting. You talked about Michigan earlier, very early in the broadcast. Cause Jr had flown in a few days early and worked with the players, like, you know, worked out with them, coached them, went through drills, that kind of stuff. And very early in the broadcast, um, Jed Howard made a play and J.R. Smith said, that's the most NBA ready of all
0: these guys. Ooh, how about that? Okay. So I really, i said this la- I said this last year. I, I don't know if it'll be- I, to me, Jet Howard is like uh, second by his second year, he'll be an elite college player. I don't know if maybe it'll be one of them done, but it's interesting that you said that.
1: It stood out to me because on the court is case Wallace, who is uh, terrific. Um, Keontae George case going to Kentucky, of course, Keontae George going to Baylor. I mean like high level. You know, top five, top ten guys. Jet Howard is not thought of that way by the recruiting analysts. He's like a borderline top forty guy, four star prospect. And J.R. Smith said, "That's the most pro ready guy here." I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting. I've never heard anybody say that." And then Jet Howard goes on to be the MVP of the game. Um, after the game, I'm I do a post game interview with Jet, but before that, I'm sort of waiting for them to throw it to me. And Allen Iverson is talking to Jet Howard. And he, he's he's like having a real serious conversation with him. He says, man, it comes easy for you. This is easy for you. Um, you you're you going to be special. Just keep working hard because um, all the other stuff is naturally there. And so you have these pro, these guys who have been through it, walking away from that, going, yeah, Kaysen is unbelievable. Keontae, great. The guy, the best guy here is Jed Howard. And if Jed Howard's the – and I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying yeah. if Jed Howard is really one of the best high school prospects entering college, oh, boy, Michigan has got a chance to be really, really
0: good. Really, really good. Um, as it stands right now, uh, Michigan has no open – like if Musa Diabate uh, returns, which I, I think will probably happen, and then Caleb Houston returns, they don't have an open scholarship either. If they both return – We'll see if that winds up being the case or not. There, but if you add that in there, yeah, Michigan could certainly enter into next season with uh, with plenty of optimism, if you if you will. There, but um, overall, though, good little experience. It gets it, it, it gets. It's not that it's buried, but you know, it's a Saturday it, it, when you're going to play. In the middle, it
1: is the Saturday in the middle of the uh, uh, NFL draft.
0: I mean, it's just a tough spot. That's all. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, but it was a, a great experience. Like first off, just to be around. Um, you know, you know, like here's Alan Iver. Juwan Howard was there because he's a college coaches are not allowed to be there, but because right. Jets play like yeah. being a father supersedes being a coach, as
0: it, as it should, yes, as
1: it should, yes. So Juwan, I, you know, I did a uh, on camera interview with Juwan. He was great. Um, by the way, we've talked about this before. This is why coaches for years, you know, in the in the pre NIL days, if they had their kids on their team. Their kids would always room with the best prospects, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, and and the reason is because your kid then gets an apartment, and you 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 can buy whatever you want for your son, who's on your because he's your son. So you would go to a coach's son apartment, and it's got the nicest TV, the nicest stereo, um, you know. It, it, they're ordering pizza every night, whatever they, or whatever they wanted, like the, everything you could possibly want in a living space is available to you because the coach is quote, buying it for a son, but the best recruit is his son's roommate. And and they, they, there are real advantages to being the father of a, uh, of a student athlete. And that, that's the most obvious one, but it, it is the explanation for why Juwan Howard was allowed in the building this weekend. And, um, and no other college coach was, but just being around, uh, you know, uh, you know, all those people was really great. It was a fun experience. I hope they keep bringing it back to Memphis and keep it on CBS sports network. And then, um, you know, it was the f- first time in a long time I'd seen some of these guys. And the first time I had ever seen Hansel and Manuel up close, who of course we talked about on a previous podcast. He is the a young man from the Dominican Republic who lost his left arm when um he was six years old, he was climbing a wall, it collapsed on him, and they had to amputate the arm. And he's become a, a a social media phenomenon and an incredible story for obvious reasons. like he's a legitimate college prospect despite having one arm. Um, but I will say it was hard for him, yeah, against, against this level of competition. um he got he got a little overwhelmed. I mean, I don't mean to anything, but like just speaking, plainly Uh, like he got in the game first possession they drove right on him he doesn't have a left arm you know he he can't they just kept driving right on him and he looked like he was a little overwhelmed by the 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 talent that was elsewhere on the court it it doesn't mean he can't play college basketball but um, he got frustrated at, at certain points in the game because I think he was he was running into a level of talent Consistently, that I don't think he's had to deal with. Consistently,
0: uh, we got to get out of here in two minutes. Um, there's some curiosity in the chat. Uh, do you think your role on this podcast and talking about Amari Bailey has a direct correlation to him not playing in the Iverson Classic?
1: I would hope not. I, I would think so. I would think not. I would I, think so. yeah. yeah, I don't think one has anything to do with sure the other. Me? But when I heard, when I heard Amari Bailey will not participate, I got the text message from our production team. I hit it with a thumbs down. <laughs> I did a thumbs down on it. It's uh, too bad. It was disappointing.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah what, can, what can you do?
1: But I, but I did get to meet J.R. Smith's lovely uh, girlfriend. Okay. She's a model.
0: All right. There you
1: go. I'll let you guys Google that for yourself. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Lornell. There we go. I decided I'm just going to shout out Huck from now on. I'm tired of looking up Baylor players. <laughs> it really is just like another thing I have to do every time before we do a podcast. And right. I was just like I was like oh, you know what? I'm tired of doing it. Plus I was I was uh, I'd gone through a pretty good list. So now just Huck. That's Scott Drew's dog. Is Thanks. it Scott
0: Drew? No, it's not Scott Drew's dog. Whose dog is it? That'll be for the next podcast. I
1: thought it was Scott's
0: dog. No. Is Bryce's Scott. dog? Incorrect. Who is who does, Huck, who does Huck belong to? Same bat time, same bat channel. Next podcast I'm on. I'll I'll give you the whole backdrop on that
1: one. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're leaving nice reviews. Like, type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. If you're still in here and you uh, haven't already smashed the like button, knock that out. Brandon Davies would do it. And we will talk to you again on Thursday morning at the latest. Maybe before, but at the latest Thursday morning. Till then, take care. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different
0: backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Ah